verses 40 to 45. Hear the word of the Lord. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses has commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this week, I heard and I listened to NPR um, on my errands throughout the week, as I'm sure many of you do as well. And I happened to be driving in the middle of the day when I heard an interview with an Israeli filmmaker by the name of Sigal Avin. Did anybody else hear this interview? You might have. Um, Anyway, she is working alongside David Schwimmer, who is a producer and director, uh, on a series of films to document how sexual misconduct happens. And it was fascinating to hear her reflect on this and to think about the work that she's doing it. and, and, And she's putting it into a film, so not a documentary, but a film. Um, to try to figure out how it is that we put our finger on what's going on in this world of sexual misconduct. And as she talked about her work, she mentioned that there is a moment that happens that's very hard to describe. In fact, she couldn't even put words to it when pressed a little bit further. She, uh, She said that it's a moment that is more felt than spoken. So you sort of know about it within your body, but you maybe can't even put your finger or can't even say a word about it at the moment. And she said there's a moment when the power shifts and when there's sort of a new balance of power that is uncomfortable within the room. She was pushed even harder on what does that look like, and she was reluctant to say too much about it. She said... It was hard to capture this within her films, but there is a moment when the power within the room shifts and suddenly those who are feeling the victim of sexual misconduct feel as if they start to doubt themselves, almost like there's an erosion of power within them that happens. And they leave thinking, did that just happen? Am I crazy? What's going on here? As women come out to share their stories about this power imbalance, um, and I just have one thing that I want to reflect on here, and you know, I'm, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. And so as I reflect on this, I think one of the things that's really hard to get our minds wrapped around is what it's like to be a man hearing these stories. And I hope, I hope 
Maybe it just needs to start here within a small community. But I hope that men can start to share what it's like for them to hear these stories. How it is that they want to take ownership, to act differently, to notice kind of the landscape within their own life and within their own sort of inner self. I wonder what that might be like. A dear friend of mine who is a young man uh, who had to deal with a lot of issues within his own sexual identity spoke to me in one of our quiet conversations together and said this, now men are having to deal with the animal within. He's like, and it's not pretty. But I think it's an important part of the story to share. It's an important part of what we need to talk about. Because there's, an, there's a, a, a power imbalance that starts to happen within some of these interactions. And sometimes neither one of us quite know when it starts or when it stops. But I love the way that this Israeli filmmaker describes it. And I think it's a helpful way to, for us to get our minds wrapped around it. She says there's a moment when the energy changes in the room. And her conclusion in making these films was that she wanted to help people learn more about what that moment was like. And that the reason for it was that so if you could learn more about the moment, then maybe you could be more empowered if and when it happens to you. And being empowered helps to stop that power imbalance from starting to take place. Well, friends, there is a lot going on within our text today. There is a lot. The Bible, as I like to talk about within our Bible study group, has a durable elasticity to it. There are often multiple ways that we can read a text. But today, the way that I want to look at our text together is from the perspective of power. The power of touch. The power of the body. The power of relationships. And the power to let go of the power. Our text today is shot through with this idea of the importance of the body. Leprosy is a condition of the body. And it itself, as a disease, has the power to send this man outside of that inclusive community of faith. There is a lot of power that is held within this disease of the body. And if you are a survivor of a disease of the body, you know what that's like to be held within a specific community because of the disease that your body has brought within you. And then this man, within the scope of our text, uses his body to ask Jesus for healing. And the gospel writer is quite clear about that. He comes begging and kneeling. Both of those are very physical words. He comes prostrating his own self before Jesus as he asks for healing. It's not just a verbal request. It's a physical request. He brings his very body before the power of Jesus. 
And then the gospel writer wants us to know, hey, this isn't just all about the leper's body. Let's pay attention to what's going on within the body of Jesus. So we get some really interesting words here to help us understand what's going on within the landscape of Jesus' body. The text tells us that Jesus was moved with pity. And the word, we've actually used this word before, we've talked about it, it's, and I'm going to get it wrong here, but I'm going to do my best, it's splangizomai, it's a Greek word, they put all these words together, they get these long endings, but a lot of our English words come from this, I don't think we get any from this word in particular, um, although our medics might know, I don't know, they might know, they might, I'm sure that there's some word that we get from that that's a medical reference. Um, But this word splanktha, it refers to the inward parts, specifically the hearts, the lung, and the kidney. So these parts that are at kind of the internal space of the human being. Okay, So it's not just that Jesus is moved with pity. It's that his heart and his lungs and his kidneys were sort of retching. Not in disgust, but in compassion at the sight of this man. So as this individual comes to Jesus to ask for healing within his body, Jesus' body has a response too. And this bodily response that Jesus has is what initiates the healing process. And then from the inside, it moves out. And the text tells us that we get this outward hand, the outward hand that stretches towards the man and says, I do choose be made clean. So we've got these two bodies, Jesus' body, the leper's body, in this strange dance where the desire for healing on one strikes up the passion to heal in the other, and then the hand touches and the healing happens. Friends, I don't have that much more to say about this part of the text, but here's what we can take away And I want all of our young people in the room to notice this today and to never forget it, that touch can be and should be healing. It should not be scary. It should not hurt. It should always be gentle, and it should always be healing. And we see that in Jesus today. And now we come to the part of the text that I really have some questions about, that I want to ask about. You see, Jesus sends this man back into his community, and he does so in a very specific way. He sends him to the priest so that there can be reintegration into the community. And this is a very specific command. And if you read Leviticus 14, uh, you'll see that there is a whole plan that was initiated in the Old Testament for bringing somebody back into the community. Now, we can go into the reasons for that. That's sort of beyond the scope of our Uh, purposes today. But the point is, is that there was a ritual that was put around reintegration into the community. And Jesus is trying to tap into it. And he's saying, go to the priest. So he's not trying to tell on this man. He's not trying to get him in trouble. He's saying, I want you to be reintegrated into the community. Go to the priest and show yourself so that you can go through all of these things and that people can know that you're whole, that you're clean. Okay, that's the purpose behind what Jesus says. But then, of course, the man doesn't go. Doesn't. 
And as I've read this text over and over this week, I've asked myself, why doesn't this man go? Why doesn't he give a spare thought to this fact that Jesus is asking him to do something that will actually help him? The text is very clear. Jesus tells him to do one thing. And you want to know something funny? I'm going to say this for our younger folks in the room. Maybe you guys will get a kick out of it too. But the word in Greek is actually snorted. Jesus snorted at him. He said, go to the priest in a snorting way. Meaning it was like, go, don't mess around. You go to the priest now. All the parents, you know what it's like to speak that way. We don't have to talk about it here, but we all know. Um, So in any case, he snorted. He's really telling him, go to the priest. Okay? But he doesn't go. The command doesn't seem to get through to him. Jesus is as clear as he can be, and still the man is defiant. He does not go. He goes instead to the community, which is exactly where Jesus told him not to go. Okay? And he starts to proclaim and report what has happened And as I've thought about this, I've thought, this moment, this moment where this man acts in direct opposition to Jesus' request, this is the moment where the power changes hands within the story, in a good way. By the end of the story... Do you want to know who's walking around freely into the community wherever he wants to go? The man who had leprosy. And now, at the end of the story, who is relegated to the outskirts? Who can't even come into the city center? Jesus. Jesus. The healing of Jesus changed the power dynamic within this story. Now, the man who received healing, he would have been isolated. He knows what it's like to be on the outside of the city center. And he is the one who is now able to move freely. And Jesus, who moved about freely when we're starting in the beginning of the story, well, now he's the one that's isolated, that's on the outskirts. Do you see the healing hand of Jesus offered healing to such a degree that Jesus lost something. He had the power to let go of the power. So he's not mad. He just stays on the outskirts. Don't worry, later he'll come back in. But for our purposes today, that's how the power shifts. But the man was supposed to go back to the priest, you say. That would have offered him restoration back into the community. That would have given him power back too. Yeah, it would have. It really would have. And yet, for some reason, he just doesn't do it. He chooses to exercise his freedom in a way that's in violation to all sorts of things. And Jesus lets him do that. The healing hand of Jesus sets him free even at the cost of his own luxury. That's real healing touch, friends. Real healing touch is the kind that says, I'm going to lose so that you can win. 
Real healing touch is the kind that says, it's going to cost me so that it doesn't have to cost you. What we're reading about in the papers this week, that is the opposite of what we see here in our gospel text today. Real healing touch, as we see it in this text, doesn't offer one bit of pleasure to Jesus whatsoever. It costs him the ability to enter into community at all. It sends him onto the outside of the city, and he is okay with it. I do choose, he says, be made well. Real healing touch changes the power dynamic in a different way. The ones who are hurt, they get the power. The ones who are healing, they have the power to let it go. See, at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't lose anything because he gives it away. I do choose, he says, be made well. It's going to cost me, but I'm going to do it anyway. That is power. Don't forget it. We're going to come to the table today, later in our service, and friends, that is power. The power to invite everybody and anyone to come. Maybe we lose. Maybe we have to go to the outside of the table. Guess what? Through the power of the Spirit, we have the power to let it go. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for this text, that through this Story, you had the power to let it go. The power to release, the power to take the back seat. Help us, teach us, feed us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.